Been waiting. Been waiting what? to be interviewed Come by Matt. Come on, man. This is crazy. Thank you, one and all, for tuning back in here to yet another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I am Matt Sanzala, and this is the podcast where I sit and talk with my friends. And if you've been following along to the series, you understand that a lot of my memories are a little fuzzy. I learn a lot of things on these things, too, from uh, all my, my folks, man. And today, talking to two great brothers, man, brothers of mine, fam, for many years, a band that I've been a fan of for so long, changed the game in a lot of ways back in them days when y'all were riding slab or whatever you think you were doing. There was a, another band <laughs> Come coming out of San Antonio. I'm sitting here with Trey and Easy Lee from Mojo. What's up, y'all? What up, what up, what up? What's up, my brother? Now, you just said to me this is the first time I've ever interviewed you. Yes, yes. that's a fact, bro. I'm telling you right now that it's been in my head like, Sitting down with Madison Zala for an interview. Oh, how we've not done this? What friends, damn near family for so many years. So like, this is big. This is. Big. I believe you, but it's crazy. I can't believe I never. You were never at the station or no. in Houston. Came close, I think. I think we came close. close. I mean, I even yeah, had the Bama yeah. Boys once. Yeah. <laughs> the Bama Boys. The, see, Shout out to the Bama Boys. Shout out to the what Bama is Boys. Up, bro. Uh, 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 what was another Jesse. group? The other group they they came up with Duck. Watch the duck. Watch it. No, oh, that's that the group. Watch, that's watch, watch the duck. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's our homies, Damn, man. That's man. our homies. Oh, Eddie, man. Well, yep. we just sat here in the Colton House in South Austin, Texas, listening to the new album. What's it called? Ancient Future Soul. Ancient Future Soul? Ancient Future Soul, yes, sir. I feel like you've been rolling with that concept for a long time. Hey, man. Your music mm -hmm. is Ancient Future Soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For a long time. Now, what we did talk about a little bit earlier, um, what I loved about you. First of all, I need David Anderson to bring us our drink tickets. What are we doing here? <laughs> Where's the drink tickets, David? Come on. That's funny. Man, That's DA, what are the tickets at? DA, come on, man. What's up? Uh, but I'm thinking about the days when uh, early 2000s, uh -huh. when I first saw y'all. And uh, I love hip hop. I love music in general. And I love classic New York hip-hop, yeah. I love the West Coast, but I really love the South, and I always did. And I had people in the community of people who were a little more open to, like back in the day in Houston, you had a big divide. Mm -hmm. the, the South Side guys or the guys who were into Screw, yep. even the guys before that who were like South Park Coalition, who all of those guys came up on KRS-One and LL yep. Cool J and things Absolutely. like this. but. There was a big divide between, like, say, for lack of a better comparison, like the chaotics yep. and the screw stuff, right. you know, Kiki, or Kiki, yeah. and it was on both sides. Like, neither sort of had like that full understanding that each were doing something valid and interesting, you know. And when I saw y'all, I felt like, you know, it could go either way with sure. a hip hop band. Sure. For those who don't know, Mojo performed with a live band before a lot of people. And uh, it could go wrong real easily. Sure. You know what I mean? Or it could be overly jazzy or overly want to be this, that, something, you know. And y'all were pretty perfect to me. when I, That's one of the things I thought was like, you bridge that gap between those kind of scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, I, and I always have hated, and I think things have gotten better in this respect because people would say, I don't listen to that hip-hop shit. I listen to rap. Or whatever, but it's all under the banner of hip hop culture, mm -hmm. and that always disturbed me. Like they would classify one artist as hip hop, one as this. But when I saw y'all, I was like, man, these dudes have got it. They figured it out, man. And I feel like you're from New Orleans, right? Easy. Are you from San Antonio? I'm from Trey? San Antonio. Straight up from San Antonio. East San Antonio. See now, I've also always had an interest in things that aren't necessarily supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Back in the day. I remember first getting handed a PKO tape and being told they're Man. from San Antonio. Come on. PKO, piles, keys, and ounces, baby. Man. <laughs> and I was like, you know. I was like, there's rap in San Antonio? Really? Like, 91. Not, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, damn, there is. Yeah. And it was great, you know? And uh, I feel like a band like Mojo, to some people, probably shouldn't have come from San Antonio. Mm. People don't understand the soul history of San Antonio. They don't know. Mm -hmm. But 
through you guys and through digging in more. Like, I didn't know about it back then either when I was 19, 20, 23, sure. whatever I was, you know. But uh, I totally really get it. And I love the fact that uh, y'all were able to come with something so new and so fresh from a place that people weren't expecting it. I'm going to let y'all talk a little bit too on this podcast, I promise. <laughs> That's just a, a little bit of an intro because I remember – Shit, I remember um, Paul Wall coming to one of your shows and being floored. Wow. I don't remember that. He was there. He was at wow. um, one of David Anderson's parties. Wow. And I remember him being like, man, that's dope. That shit's dope. That's crazy with a band. Because wow. you got to think, a lot of the, the down Paul south just didn't Shout see live bands. Wall. Yeah. They didn't even see live bands back then, you know? Mm-hmm. But tell me, let's start from the early days, because this blew my mind. Like Just like when I talked to Rabbit Rick and didn't know that Carlos had already had what it do in that whole concept. You just dropped a big jewel on me, an incredible story to start with about how you met Babu Blakes. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm definitely first heard about you from Babu Blakes. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. You're, you're coming up in San Antonio and how that happened. Okay. So um, Trey was living um, behind a club. And he hit me like, yo, I've been going to this club, uh, this bar. It wasn't even a club. It was a little small bar. And he said, there's this band playing called Mingo Fish Trap. And um, I think they dope. And I think that what you do with the poetry and with your rhymes, you know, I think it could blend with what I do with my rhymes. And I think we could do something that's different. You know what I'm saying? And he's always been like the musical visionary of Mojo. If if, if I consider myself or he considers me a lyrical visionary of the group, he's the musical visionary, right? So he's like, I got this vision for this music that we could make that was like kind of separate us, but still, like you said, center us in the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the band was Mingo Fish Trap. The, the lead guy was Roger Blevins, and he agreed to do some music with us. Mm-hmm. But the club, the bar where he was performing was called Jules, and along with Trey's musical vision of recording with Raj was performing on that stage like that was his thing like if that band looks good on that stage like we need to play that stage so he convinced i don't even know how my nigga convinced the dude to like I started look. with that keyboard player. the keyboard player i started with the keyboard uh uh, uh cheat uh, uh um cheat uh yeah. chong 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 and worked your way up to ride right so the owner of the bar gave us a chance to play but the night that we were going to play at that club, he, uh, he said, I've been going to Austin, going to this hip-hop hump day. And there's a guy by Vu and a guy D Madness. I'm going to bring them down to, like, headline this show, and y'all going to open for them. And if they tell me that y'all are a good fit, I'll let y'all do a residency. Mm. So we meet. And he, and he literally, let me interject. He literally gave us six weeks. Yeah. Let me give you six weeks. Residency. Let me give y'all six weeks, and that's it. Mm-hmm. If y'all don't produce the numbers, yeah, then, then you then you're out. Yeah. That, that that was the deal. Yeah, but the continue, bar, continue. Yeah, the bar had to make the money. You know what I'm saying? So they come down, we do the show, and uh, we meet by Vu at Corey's house. Corey Falk was the was the bar. We meet him at the house before the before the night even starts. We meet, we smoke, we drink, get to know each other. It's like okay, cool, cool. And, I, and now I now that I know by Vu. He was sizing us up the whole time. I, at that time, he was just a, another guy we were meeting. We were real cool. Um, but we played the show, and he tells Corey, yeah, they got it. They got it. Mm. So Corey says, okay, you can do every Wednesday here for the next six weeks. The shit gets turned out. The whole city's coming in every Wednesday. Bars going crazy. We bring in different DJs in from Donnie D to DJ Corrupt. The DJ start the night. Uh, we play, Bavu and D Madness play, Bavu freestyles for like an hour. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, D's just freestyling. He's free- it was just a crazy, crazy night. So, um, fast forward, two years in, we did every Wednesday night for two years at a thing called Soul Cookout. And that's where anybody who came to town, their friends would tell them, this is where we're going tonight. You in town for Thanksgiving? We're going to see Mojo. Oh, you in town for spring break? We go and see Mojo. Mm-hmm. So the word got back to Houston, Dallas, D.C., New York, L.A., whatever it was, it got back. Houston found out, and that's when the people at Music World mm-hmm. had heard what we were doing. They were like, come play our Christmas party, 2005, whatever. 
And Matthew knows it's there, you know, he stands up in the middle of our set before we can even finish. He's like, sign him. Let's roll with it. They got it. Him. They got it. And he's and he says, sign him. And that's the the the, the connection that we're making to um the connection to Bavu is, is that that doesn't happen without him telling that mm-hmm. owner, these guys have it. You should give them a chance of doing a residency, the kind of way we do hip hop hump day in Austin. I mean, that's dope because I know a city like San Antonio was hungry for that. And mm. also, I kind of like that. Like here in Austin, you don't want to do a show Thanksgiving week because everybody leaves. Mm. You don't want to do a show Fourth of July. Everybody's gone. You don't want to do a show Christmas week. Everybody's gone. But like my hometown is Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Everybody's gone all the other times of the year. But if you could do a party the night before Thanksgiving... That's it's San Antonio. The, the reunion. Everybody. Yeah, San understand. Antonio. Exactly. I do understand. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what, you know, Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, if yes. you can do a party, all your friends are there. Yep. Everybody comes from all over and they come back. And it's like, and that's that's what happened to Houston rap in a sense. It was like military people would hear it. You know, like somehow they infected Killeen and the that's biggest what military base that's in the world. You guys had military people too in San Antonio. Yep. And then they go home. Yep. And, and we had people music, yeah. taking that. They were they were they were military guys. I remember military. um a comedian, Walter Campbell. I know you know Walter. He was in the military, but he was a comedian. And he would tell us about, you know, putting people on in the military to the music and yeah. Well, you know what else was dope about San Antonio? And I don't think this affected y'all that much, but and before y'all, the beat in San Antonio is a better radio station than the stations in a lot of places. I remember when the beat was the shit. Wait, it it wasn't always till you know, like every station died at a certain point. But man, it for sure was like when you went to San Antonio, it's when you got about to San Marcos, you turned it, you found it on your radio so you could start listening to the beat. I first heard Cell Therapy yeah. randomly coming back from Mexico. The beat was great. Man, let me tell you something. The beat played a song that a lot of people don't remember. It was a song by a guy named E. Rule. Hmm. Yeah. Who was not getting a lot of play on other Who commercial radio stations. That's for sure. Called Listen up. Yeah. Listen oh, up. Check yeah. it. E. Rule's about to wreck it. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Hey, bro. Like that was set in tone, bro. Like I mean, let me tell you, Nas. All that yeah. was going down in San Antonio back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? So. And to be honest with you, it, when in retrospect, that was forward thinking, but it also was kind of a behind because they were still doing that when all the other stations across the country started like gentrifying themselves into right. like sure. one thing. Right. Yeah. Like I always say, I don't care what you think about Diddy or anybody else, but the Diddy era messed up a lot of things when it came to radio and it came to that. That was right around that time yeah. when all the consolidation was happening and everything just became yeah. one thing. And you heard the same thing. Like I treasure the days of going to, Dallas and discovering a Dallas oh, group sh- or going to Memphis and you'd have a Friday night Memphis radio show random that you just found on the radio and you're like, okay, here's what's going on. Yeah. Houston, UGK, you wouldn't know who Bun B is if Houston wasn't supporting Houston Absolutely. like it was in the beginning of UGK and, and things then, like that. And, I, and I'll tell you, uh, a kid from New, come from New Orleans yeah. coming into San Antonio and the beat was UGK riding dirty. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It was Fat Pat. Mm-hmm. It was ESG. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I and that that caught me ESG up on what was going on. Shout out to San Antonio. Shout out to ESG. I ain't forgot. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hell yeah. And, that, and I Swing and I and, and I remember and I and that's crazy because if they could just like if they could understand how much they would impact the game, radio stations in general, but especially the San Antonio radio station, if they could they could impact the game by really really. Almost getting in the time machine and going backwards in order to go forward, and that's what ancient future soul is trying to argue, right? Yeah. Right. Like you, you think you keeping up with the times, but you you actually are, are unraveling and, and and like almost like destroying what could be something great. Let's go back a little bit in order to take it forward. But see, here's the thing, though, San Antonio, because it was a smaller market. We had we were okay being spectators mm-hmm. and looking. We understood the Spurs wasn't going to the championships when we was growing up. We understood that. that. And so when we sat back 
you know, I think that really had a lot to do with our sound, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. You know, we had the intelligence, you know, the, as far as the thought process of saying, how do we bridge this gap? Mm-hmm. How do we make popular music but still be relevant, but still be soulful, but still be, Texas. but still be Texas? You know Southern. what I'm saying? Southern. Yeah. Like, all that was important to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just be honest. Like, the whole band idea was from the inspiration of the roots. Yeah. That's, that's real talk. But we wanted to do it, yeah, in a, and, and yeah, I mean, no, going back, you know, of course, I mean, we grew up with that. But to me personally, yeah, that was my idea. Like when I seen Mingo Fish Trap, I was thinking of, man, this would be dope for some Southern Roots type, type shit. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. So, but we wanted to keep it. To me, it was important to keep that UGK foundation. It was important to keep DJ that N O Joe, the DJ Screw Foundation. That was important to us. So we had, but then we still had the, this this love for the East Coast and the West Coast. So we just always tried to make it, you know, trying to incorporate and just kind of blend those worlds. And a lot of times, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, it was trial and error, and because labels wanted something, you know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. stream like, just something straight, you know, what I'm saying. And I yep. think finally now, you know, the world. You know, and I have my thoughts on this on this space right now, but I feel like the world is now finally ready to be open to being, you know what I'm saying, just accept this hybrid of sound. I mean, things are coming back right now, like right at this moment with this album you guys have got it and other and others. I mean, like I'm gonna tell you straight up, I've been depressed because of music. Bro, <laughs> and not just because of that, but other other things, but like I stopped, man. Like, I listened to the Third Root albums. I love that. I'm a fan of y'all's and all that. But I'll be honest with you, at certain points, I probably didn't listen to them as closely as I would have if I was just all in it and just so excited about everything. Like, I had moments where I was just like, y'all, Third Root is great. Y'all did not sell out. Just let me say that straight up. But how many of my friends handed me some fucking song that was, like, sounding like the 12-year-old in Atlanta? And they're 36 here in Austin or whatever. And it was getting to, my, Bro, to the point where I was just like, yo, seriously, man, I have to step back. I can't take it anymore. It's driving me crazy. And like right now, like at this moment, there's definitely a resurgence in sound in general. It's, it's happening. And because throughout our whole life, I'm 50. So I've been there. Hip hop's 50 or something, you know, like. I've been there listening to this shit, and it's gone up and down the whole time. There's been up periods and down periods of all times, and I think right Has now. Been, let me ask you now. I know you're the, the interviewer, but just interested in knowing that up and down was it this was it this much down? Life has biorhythms, and it is up and down. I mean, Vanilla Ice was pretty far down to me, and when Vanilla Ice came out, every fucking label had to get a white cornball, and as a white dude in the hip hop community. That sucked for me. I hated that but shit. But it was so much more art, though. There, no, was, no, no, no. Era, that era had way more going on. Yeah, Don't get me. So, no, no. So it was not as low though, as, yeah. as what the SoundCloud shit became and all that. Don't get me wrong. That wasn't. But yeah, man, as a person who's kind of, I hate to, I'm not industry, air quotes, but I've been in the stupid industry for a minute. Like, and it drove me crazy, like, to see how they would chase these trends. And where it became crazier is when we got what we wished for. And hip-hop took over everything. Like, it took over everything. So, yeah, be careful what you wish for. And honestly, yeah, I'd love for y'all to get a million dollars for a car commercial or something. But unfortunately, what they were doing was it was it just got so crazy. Like, the commercialization of it, the consolidation of radio, by law, being able to do that, you know, consolidating all this media. And then, like, it got real low. And I think... In the 90s, we talked about, you know, later in the 90s, how accountants, it was more accountants than it was A&Rs or whatever who were taking over what was going on. I think we're at a point now where it fell so far that you can only come up. I really think that. I mean, like, it fell far. I couldn't, um, there was always gems. I mean, I listened to every Kendrick album. He's a genius. Great. But there was so much... It's surrounded. So, on a positive note, I'm so happy y'all are back. I'm so happy to finally get to sit down and talk to you guys. And thank you for those third root albums and all that. I mean, those were always. Kept it going, man. Kept it going. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, 
And I don't know how vulnerable we can get. Please uh, do. Where, where we want to get. But I, I will say, um, you know, Easy kept the momentum going, you know what I'm saying, as far as, you know, just keeping the voice alive. You know what I'm saying? So I'm very grateful for that, man, and for us to finally get a chance to get back. But, you know, I think it's – it's a great start. We have some really great people in our corner. And and like I told you before, you press record. We we made it because we got an interview with you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Man, <laughs> come on, man. No, I mean, it's a I'm still shocked. I don't cuz I don't remember everything I've ever done, but I'm like, "Really? We never can you never were on the station or something? That's crazy." But yeah. I um I remember those days pretty vividly as far as seeing you guys perform and and the music world thing. That was a real moment, but it was also an eye opener being in the mix and being around Houston and seeing that era. So it was an eye opener on the industry for me as well, man. Like you can be, you can have the biggest star in the world in your world and you made that star and did all that. But then what, you know, like, look, 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 the way you, the way you said that was perfect. Because that's what we debate about all the time. It was it was a mix of understanding that Beyonce's are generational artists, mm-hmm. right? And then everybody who's attached to her is going to think that they can do it whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. I remember Jay Z saying, "You oh, you made me make another one." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there was a combination of Maybe um, the people who had who had the power thinking, oh, we could just get the right staff. They had a great staff. Musical, had a, I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. I'm somebody full record label. You know Man. what I'm saying? A product managers. You don't know how close I am to John Lister and Heather oh, Wagner. Come on. Oh, John is my fam in '94. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, we I li- I, when I moved to Brooklyn. So you, so you was you, you, you knew Snow. I wrote Snow's bios. Steve Salem was a mentor to me. <laughs> no, check this out. Ninety four, my my guy OT, he uh, shout out to Jada. Decided yeah. to move to Brooklyn, and was like, man, he quote unquote saw me as an industry guy. I had a radio show and I did a thing called the Hip Hop Copy Shop in Houston. He came out to that, mm-hmm. and he's like, man, I'm gonna start. He has some money at the time. He's like, I'm starting a studio. If you want to move up there, we get we got a house, we got a room for you, and. Uh, you can just help me get people in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I don't really know you, honestly. <laughs> and then a bunch of shit, like, in my family, this was like, oh, just fell apart. It was a mess. And I was like, he's like, man, you can still come up here. It was like a month after he moved up there. I was like, okay. He's like, we're going to the Gangstar video shoot today. I was like, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly, I came man. up there and... uh I remember dragging my um, suitcase through the snow from Fulton up to Clinton and just being like, I don't know what I'm getting into. Anyways, somehow, Keir Worthy, who was the guy who I interviewed a couple years ago because he was the first person who was booking like hip-hop at South by Southwest in like 91. Mm-hmm. You know, just a, a show here and there. But um, he was like the industry dude of that time, of Texas. He was the guy with the Def Jam jacket. You know, things like this. What was his name again? Keir Worthy. I, I remember that name. Yeah. So Keir, that name? Keir was working with sure. OT and his group, Funky Position, and Sociopath Left Out of Austin, which where we're sitting here right now at the Colton House, I was saying my best friend Chris, one of my best friends ever who passed away a couple years ago, he was in that group, Sociopath Left, okay. managed by Keir Worthy. And he lived right over here. So this H-E-B, this knockdown, like, all right, we're off at Old Torp in uh, South Congress, by the way. This was like the stomach grounds when I first would come visit Austin, like right here, like this block. And uh, it's changed a little. But uh, so I go to New York. Keir is working for Mojam, which was Steve Salem's company, and he was behind Full Force, uh, UTFO, Lisa Lisa and Cold Jam. Lisa Lisa, yeah. All kinds of stuff, but he also put out Snow at that time. And then another white horrorcore rapper, Half Pit, Half Dead, Anyways, I wrote their bios too. No, you didn't. And uh, <laughs> but nah, man. So I automatically John is from Houston. Steve Salem's a woman at the time, Stephanie Gale from Houston. 
So all of a sudden, I've got these two incredibly powerful, cool women, like mentors with Steve. And I was just thrown in this mix. It just kind of was like, it's just a natural thing. So I knew her since then and been down with her. And when she came back to Houston and got with Music World, it was like. She's the, she's, she's the, she's, one, she's the one that said, I've been hearing about y'all. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put you on for our Christmas party. See what Matthew says. Man. No guarantees. We bring the band. We play. We brought a drummer. We brought D Madness on bass. Oh. Uh, Cooley high on keys. Three man band. And we toured through a couple of songs. And Matthew stood up was like, no, sign him. We got to do no, this. I'm a, no, let's take a little bit more detail to that. Okay. Yeah, please. We thought Matthew walked out because we wasn't good. Mm. I did. That's a record industry Me personally. technique. That's a record executive technique. I thought he literally got up during the middle of True Jewels and it had little uh, Solange's son. What's his name? Jules. Jules. Ain't that some shit? Damn. Jules. <laughs> and he got up and he was walking out and I was like, damn. That's it. And Jonna said, man, what do you think? In front of everybody, what do you think? And then he said, sign him. And that was it. And man. it's just been a, it's just been a, a, a ride ever since, man. So, and for those who don't know, Matthew Knowles is the father of Beyonce and Solange. Absolutely. And the founder of Music World. He put it, brought out Destiny's Child Shout of the out world to Matthew Knowles, man. He gave us a shot. Shot, man. And let me say this. We had to do so many showcases at House of Darion, Sony Studios in New York. Sony Studios in LA, like people don't know that when you get signed, you do a lot of shows just for your label and just for your distributor, so that they can know, you know, what you're working with, whatever. Keep supporting. So you got you got to make fans of the people who are you you assume they're fans of you already. But you got to keep making fans of these people. So anyway, we would do all these showcases. Solange would be at the front of the stage, and I'm saying this right now. But honestly, I want a chance to, to, to build with her. You know what I'm saying? But I just got to be honest about what it was. Um, I think Saint. Saint is the name of her, her, um, her, her record label. I would love to do something with her and what she's doing. But she would, she would sit there, and, I, and, and the genius of Solange, she would, I, she would mouth all the words to our song, especially our single, Yesterday. Because I think her daddy was grooming her to take over the company. Mm. But she had her own artistic vision the whole time. Little did any of us know, right? But she watched us with a band. Matthew watched us with a band. Next thing you know, they were auditioning women from around the country to be Beyonce's band. They wanted an all-girl band, Mm. which was a flip. The all-girl part was a flip. But Solange had studied how us performing with a band moved a crowd and created an emotion and then she came with a band. And the next thing you know, it was this, this, this thing. So, you know, I say that not to pat ourselves on the back, but because that needs to be San Antonio music history is that, you know, we took that San Antonio vision to Houston and it affected the, the, the course of popular music, you know? Yeah, so, Man, no, for real. Those were, I think you articulated it very well right there because that's kind of what I was trying to say. Like, you were so ahead of the curve with what you were doing. But not just, I mean, but very much so in Texas and Houston. I love it all, mostly. But I did not like how one-dimensional so many people were and are. You know, it always kind of bothered me where it would be like, there's not, what's the divide here? Like, we're all, you know what I mean? Like, this is music. I listen to death metal Sometimes, you know, like I, I want to know what are these Norwegian crazy people doing? You may hate it, whatever. It's not, it's a cre- it's something it's, it's from there and it is what it is. You have a song on your album, heavily inspired by Sun Ra. I somehow as a, I mean, I listened to Sun Ra as a teenager and I kind of don't really even, I love jazz and I like that kind of jazz, like the way out there stuff that a lot of people can't even listen to. And Sunrise I don't even, another level though. No, sun, sure. Sunrise like, another level. Like, 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 like he's yeah. the death metal of jazz. <laughs> you can get That's that deep with his shit. Like for real. Like it's like if you not I listen to some sunrise shit, man. I can only listen to it. I'm gonna be for real when, no, I'm, it goes when, I'm, crazy. when I'm smoking. Yeah. 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 You know, and but when but when you get it's like, damn. 
you catch it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. That's, um, let's tell me about that song, though, because I heard in the lyrics, mm -hmm. which I found was something that I caught, because like I said, I was like, I don't even know why as a kid, that was just something that really resonated with me. Just the crazy, the screechy, crazy, just out there, the piano making no sense. Shh. Bro, but no until, sense. Until you, it, really, until you really, really listen. listen. Yeah, when you're a kid, you're like, what the hell? What the? I until loved you really it. Hear it you really hear it, you're like, oh, shit. Maybe I liked it cause, just like with death metal. I liked it because it disturbs people. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That's why you liked it. But um, I heard you say in the song that you heard Andre 3000 talk to Rick Rubin about mm -hmm. it on the Broken Record podcast, mm -hmm. which I think is amazing yeah. because these things are still... This is a way that it, it had an effect. It actually yeah. happened. It brought you to that world. Like yeah. black so, uh, Southern jazz fans. And I only say that because of people, people I know personally like that. Sure. Sunrise was not on the radar. Right. Nope. He's from Tuskegee, Alabama. He is from, He's from Tuskegee, Tuskegee, Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Yes. Pharaoh Sanders is from Little Rock. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew that. I knew that. Yeah. yeah. No. I love Pharaoh Sanders. Two of the greatest of all times of any so, music. So it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting that you even brought up Pharaoh Sanders. We were studying him during this time. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Um, <clears throat> if you ever feel some type of way, you just put on the creator as a master plan. Hmm. Or whom a lot. Master plan. No, the creator has a master plan. Creator has a, a master the, plan. The one Pharaoh Sanders. I bet you know uh, Rakim plays saxophone. Yep. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> That's yeah, all yeah. I'm saying. You're the God. The God MC. Oh. Exactly. We bring it all together. But like. But no, Sunrise. definitely played a huge part. Um, I'm 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 like the esoteric kind of guy in the group. You know, where I think that it's, you know, this this just realm when it comes to music. And I don't know if it, maybe it's just, you know, the deep artistic side of me. But, you know, um, but then I'm also an entrepreneur. Like, it's crazy. Like, but when I go into this music piece, right, and I really felt like the Sun Ra, like, after listening to that interview. And I've heard of Sun Ra, of course. I mean, you know, I've listened mm -hmm. to Sun Ra back in the day. But it was something about that interview that Rick Rubin was talking to Andre about, and he was talking about him being like real spaced out. And I'm into that, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I kind of was, at that time, I was really deep into, you know, me and Easy, me and Easy would talk about stuff like that all the time. And that kind of intrigued me to go listen. And when I listened, man, that was it. And and I put him on, Easy gonna buy the book. Like as soon as you tell him about something and inspire him about something, he's like, let me go get his book, you know. Mm -hmm. He started studying him. And as you can hear in this verse, you know what I'm saying, he's kind of, you know, referencing some things from the book. And, um, but no, he played a huge part. And I think, like, in the creation of this album, there was definitely that spirit in the room for have, Damn Show. Have you watched the films, like Space is a Place? Yes. Yeah. Yes. As soon, as soon as I heard that interview and I started studying and I seen that shit, that shit blew my mind, bro. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Me too. You know what I'm it blew my mind. University of Texas Press put out a book, a pure solar world. Is that the book you're talking about? Because I had no, a no, no. I had a Sun Ra book when I was young, but then I think it's called a pure solar world that University of Texas Press put out in the last definitely in the last five years. So this this book that um, I cop, um, and, and to Trey's point, we have played Sun Ra. We understood he existed. Mm -hmm. We had even maybe talked about him before, but we had never. Studied with the intent yeah. of it inspiring our art. You see, you dig what I'm saying? So the book, the name of the book is called "Space Is the Place." Yeah, yeah, of course. You heard that one? Yeah, I have it. So it's a biography, and he's telling his story his way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's very biased, but I loved how he told his story, and um, and Trey, <laughs> Trey got so deep. He went so far into that hole <laughs> uh, while we were making the album, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say what it is, bro. Uh, my brother had went so far as a producer with the chords, the 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 harmonies. You know what I'm saying like mm -hmm. this, we Mojo would never have a shortage of that part. 
But when we got to writing the lyrics, my brother was like, this is, this is, this is not coming to me the way it did with Classic Ghetto Soul, you know? So I kind of took the reins of the storytelling, the lyric, the direction of the lyrics. But I think Sunrise, as he said in his verse, Sun, that whole Sunrise, reminding him about Sunrise, that Andre 3000 and Rick Rubin did, is where he started to find his pen again. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. And then after that happened, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm co-writing now. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're we going to get in here and do this thing together. You know, and I think that that's what great, that's what the legends, that's what the great, that's what the classic music does. Is like, if you're trying to make something that's going to stand the test of time, you got to have something that pushes you to be better than just average, better than what you used to be. And that's what my brother was looking. He's always looking for, like, it's not cool to be the trader as somebody new. 10 years ago. I need to be the trader somebody's going to know 10 years from now. You know what I'm saying? So that's, the, that's ancient future soul. Exactly. It's like you lose time. You know what I'm saying? In that space and time. Like we kind of, I kind of lost that time. Easy was kept going with the third route. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know where my position was, where my footing was. You know what I'm talking I about? I feel that. In the game. So, you know, that was, that's what it was. But I'm, I'm glad I humbled myself enough to say, hey man, look, we got to figure this shit out. You know, but then all of a sudden it just it just came, you know, came back. But the music was was there, man. And uh, I mean, classic ghetto soul and ancient future soul sums up a lot because sure. the real music is you look back at the experimental aspects of all these things because when you hear some of these classic songs, classic soul songs, as a contemporary human being you may not understand how radical that was for it to even come out. S-U-C. I mean, that was right. I mean, that's what I say. I always say DJ Screw's experimental music from Houston. Bro, I'm, pl- I'm, I'm playing. Listen, bro, I'm playing Screw. All the shit. I'm talking about, bro, I was in Houston mm-hmm. when this shit was going down. I'm playing Robin Street. Pussy weed and alcohol. These are the great tapes. Mm-hmm. I used to have these motherfuckers. I used to go to the screw store. On bodies On color. The original. The original joint. And my son's like, Dad, y'all used to. And I'm listening to it now, and this shit sounds groundbreaking. This shit is just yeah. like, damn. In the moment, you don't it's be, no idea. But in the moment, you don't know how fucking special this shit really is. It's more special now. Than it was then. This shit and just Screw had a good, um, a great way of, of uh, as far as the sound and the mix that mm-hmm. he was doing. That shit sound like you know some draggy tape stuff to some people, man. But it was a tone that he was that he had on them li- like it's lyrics. Pure bro. analog. Yeah, that's what, bro. Pure analog. So he got pure analog. This is what we mm-hmm. most musicians desire to. Quote unquote, fuck with. Mm-hmm. He's doing this shit on screw music, bro. So when you listen to it now through this new sh- this new medium of listening, it's classic shit. Automatically off top. He was ahead of his time. And there's been a lot of tragedies in hip hop, and everybody has their their worst death and worst this. But I think in general, it's nothing. Nobody missed as much as Screw missed from passing, bro. My Everything partner called me when Screw died on the phone like it was our homeboy, bro. We knew Chris Cooley. Chris Cooley in San Chris, Antonio. Chris Cooley was in studios that we was in and houses we was in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was reading a book recently that uh, Bavu, ironically, Bavu put me on to. That University of Texas. Uh, yeah, that Lance Walker's. Lance Walker's. The Life and Slow Resolution. And, I, and what I love and what Bavu pointed out is that Lance Walker got out the way. All he did was interview people. And then he put the interviews together to tell a story. He didn't interject his narrative or what he thinks this was, that was. No, he's got Chris Cooley in there. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? He, got, he, he has a, a, a DMD. He got, you know, uh, a Kiki. He's got, he's got, um, he's got his, everyone, his sisters, everyone, everyone who came to his house. So I'm sitting there reading this book. Can't stop reading it. Mm-hmm. Page turner. Because I'm like, these stories about how so-and-so picked up so-and-so that night. And then... The mission got changed, and we had to go pick up so-and-so. And it just so happened that these people was in this car this night. We get out. We go in his house. We start freestyling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And this becomes a tape that everybody want to get. 
because it was somebody's birthday and somebody, you see what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. that's that part that you can't manufacture. Record label, record labels have no control over moments like that, and that's what. And I understand what you're saying. There's nobody that's missed out greater than Screw because Screw had an independent music movement going that was bigger than anything Cash Money or No Limit or anybody could have seen coming. Man, he helped all of them too. I know it. I know it. And I know it. to see what he missed in the end. I also have a podcast with Lance Scott Walker, by the way, if y'all want to go back. The writer of that book. Three, well, how many podcasts you got, man? You got, you got Jester. You got Jester. You got Lance. Babu, Rick, Sally Williams, Money Waters. No, but I'm saying you you said, oh, 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 Lance yeah. did one of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying you had one with um, um like a collaborative one with him. So when no, you no, said you had Jess, it was on this one. Yeah, yeah, talk so real. Okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I got yeah, you got to go back to all that, man. Cause, uh, so, so how many episodes are you in? I think y'all are 16 or 17. Wow. But this just started this year. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so, going to be in the hundreds. We're proud to be 16 to 17. Yeah, it's coming. I understand, but, what it, I understand where this is going. But what <laughs> I'm saying, like, about you guys and musically, like, the you don't have to go back and try to mimic. Like, some Texas artists, I'm not going to mention, mimic someone's exact sound in soul music to try and do this. Like, the classic... Uh, ghetto soul and the ancient future soul work very much hand in hand because the best music is the music that can touch you like the real the real analog in my opinion you know those type of records but doesn't have to sound like that y'all don't sound like al green you don't sound like you know anybody you sound like mojo you sound let's, like let's trey and on, easy lee let's speak and on that's something where real quick that that's where, because I like that he just said, I, I like that he just said any names, <laughs> but I know what Matt is saying. You hear me? So, I was telling my brother yesterday. I said, "Bro, I think behind Baduism and Mama's Gun, Ancient Future Soul is one of the best modern R and B soul albums to come out of Texas." Now, I want to ask you. I was about to ask. What do you think about that? I because I can concede. Baduism was Badu telling Keita Massenburg send me to Philly to work with the Roots, and that's something that you just their sound with her um, life story at that time. You can't compete with that. Mama's Gun was the Soquarium movement, and two dudes from San Antonio is not going to compete with New York. Chicago, Atlanta, Texas, all those coming together in that lady, uh, electric lady studio. So boom, Baduism and Mama's Gun. But after that, I'm I'm putting I'm putting Ancient Future Soul in there, man. It's definitely in there, and it's because of the soul of your, yourselves and of the music and who it is and what it is. It's not just a. Uh, I'm not gonna diss anybody, but there's a lot of <laughs> I don't listen. You know, you know what I don't really listen to a lot of, like. What people call R and B, contemporary R and B. Oh yeah, it's Bro, not Matt, my favorite. Me and you are fucking. I like Blood Brothers. Right but now. when it's real, when there's a real soul to it, it's amazing. You know, when the, and there, it, that all comes from a unique experience and a unique everything. It's not trying to be something. So I guess I'm saying that I feel the classic sounds and what you guys accomplished, but it's definitely futuristic, and it always has been, and. I would. I'll admit that I probably couldn't exactly. This is the best music too. I couldn't just put a finger on it when I first saw you. Like immediately, it wasn't like I was like, "Yeah, I liked it." You know what I mean? But I didn't totally get it. I don't want to say didn't get it because that's kind of weird. But like, it's, it's, it wasn't no, no, you know, the bro, best bro, music. Even, soaks it, in. The but, best but, music. But, it, but it's yeah. interesting even to us though, Matt. Like sometimes we, it's, the, it's thoughts that I have. Like, yeah, bro, like. Are we shooting ourselves in the foot by not being? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, for I real mean, though. Are we shooting of, ourselves yeah. in the foot not just being like everybody else? And I feel that we had to wait this whole time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It got smarter. This, this it's in our DNA, bro. I, it's it's, it's, what it's I'm in saying. our DNA, man. That's what I'm saying. To, to go against the grain. I mean, 
Why is Leon Bridges bigger than Cam Franklin? That's a question I have for the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing against anybody, but like, yeah. and the suffers are personal friends of mine. Like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but like, they are future soul. Yes. They are hearkening back to Studio One reggae, as well as Detroit Motown, as well as sure. everything, rock, yeah. you know, ska. They have this whole sort of, and I think when you talk about shooting yourself in the foot, what does KISS stand for? I have no idea. Keep it simple, stupid. Oh, that KISS. I exactly. thought you were talking about Not the, the group band, KISS. Yeah, okay, no, gotcha, yes. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. sometimes uh, it's a little too complex, but yeah. it goes back to what I'm saying about this exact moment right now. Yeah. Where I think the world is a little open to complexity because it got so simple. What I don't like about the music I said that made me depressed, I had a realization about it as like a punk rock kid that liked hip hop and all kinds of stuff. Like, you know who we hated? Hmm. Posers. Yep. What does everyone do now that they have their cell phone camera in their face? They are literally posing. My daughter tells me, says, she says it's saying now, uh, tells everybody, stop chasing clout. Exactly. My kids say that too. My kids say people are <laughs> stupid as hell. You're chasing clout. He's Jason Cloud. I'm that's, like, okay, well, that's, you know what? Hey, um, it's reality, man. It is reality. It's but reality, it's like, bro. we did not have that. We didn't have a way we to did not look have at that ourselves shit like at that. all, bro. And imagine being a, how strong you have to be to get past that as a child now, yeah, growing man. up with your face on the screen at all times. It's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And so this music. And it's crazy I, for parents. Yeah. Because we have to, we have to perpetuate this shit all the time into these kids. My kids, especially you know, with my kids, it's like, yo, I always gotta just boom, 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 just pump that shit, that real shit in them, man, and not get caught up in this, in this, in this shit, man. Right now, man, it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. No, for, it's it's true, and I think I I ask myself, what would I be like if I had every record in my pocket? If I didn't have to search for it, what would happen if I had pornography in my pocket what would i have if you know when i was a kid like i said i was coming back and forth to houston and when i'd come to houston i'd be writing letters back to my friends and we'd be writing back and forth like i've always been kind of a communication junkie in that way what if i had all this instant shit then you know like i'm happy that i did always what's next yeah, now it's like... You're never <clears throat> satisfied in this shit, man. Right. Like, in these times. But I think it's coming full circle to an extent. People are realizing it and understanding it, and there's a level of quality coming back. There's a level of independence coming back. Yeah. There's people recognizing... Because it's not like there wasn't any talented music in the time when all the worst or the worst was being pumped out. Mm-hmm. You know, did it take a pandemic? To open some eyes, what did it take? I don't know. I feel I, right I, now. I'm gonna tell you this: this album wouldn't have been recorded without COVID because yeah, we um we got in the lab and all of these um, hitters from Austin, mm-hmm. um, and from Owens, Brandon Temple, John Dees, D Madness, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I mean shit. I mean Adrian Studio in general, like. It was because everything was shut down, people were like, it was right at that time, people were trying to like, okay, I've been in the house for a while, I need to, and we were like, hey, bro, you want to come? We need you. I'll be right there. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's the untold story of Ancient Future Soul. And I, and I imagine it's going to be sometimes years down the line, we're going to have to really explain, like, you, this, you, this could never happen again. You know what I'm saying? Like, on the budget that we had, on the time that we had to get all these killers in one room, it was it was because everybody was ready to play. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Some, and dude, listen, some artists want to work with other artists and they get excited about working with other artists and that's dope, that's cool. I'll be excited with your art, they artists too. But I'll be excited about working with other musicians. Exactly. You know that's what I'm saying? Like bro, like, like, when, when, like my dream come true Brandon Temple, D Madness, fucking John D's, and all these dudes in the same room, dude. That was my, that was my shit. Everybody else want to work with fucking, 
You know what I'm saying? They want to, hey, man, I want to work with him. I want to work with her. I want to work, you know. Bro, it was all musicians for me, bro. Like, I knew by them being there, that secured the album for me. That That's what made me like, yo, that's when we knew we had something. Because God did that. They were there. You know what I'm saying? Not just me and Easy, but they were there. And yeah, I mean, we all had to slow down, take a step back, and reevaluate. And like I said, what you just said about all the artists, it's like, we got to, I was, I've talked about this on the podcast with different people. Like I was, I was, I had to turn off all the live streams Mm -hmm. in 2020 Mm -hmm. because I was so terrified that that's what it was going to become. At first I was like, oh, yeah, my friend, he's. DJing in the living room. Oh, she's playing her song in the living room. Okay, well, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. But I had a moment where I literally like snapped. Like, I can't watch this shit. We, yeah, I'm not I can't contribute this to this, this destruction. No. And that be- All of it. People no, I'm talking about live. People playing, live, you know, DJs people playing, playing in there, you know, on, you know, when it became yeah. on Instagram. We have that. to have a conversation offline. Yeah. Because my brother know. Mm-hmm. But you talking this this me, bro. And, but it's it's when when you coming out as an artist and you coming out, you know, you come trying to do your thing and make it and stuff. You, these are things that you really don't talk about. I can't really talk about because people, ah, this is motherfuckers, you know. Mm-hmm. But this shit you saying every time since tonight, I mean, the whole time you're saying shit that's like agrees with me. It's real. I, I got mean. depressed behind this shit. That's where you know we're saying? from. And musically, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, this is it's bizarre, bro. It's, it's bizarre, bizarre to be back. <clears throat> it's bizarre right now that we're here. Yeah, We shook hands and stuff. Hugged. That's great. Thank God. For sure. Because that was some bullshit. Man. <laughs> and, they, and they keep on putting the cloud, they keep on the cloud of fear over us. Oh, we got a new strand. We got this. We got that. It's not over. Yeah. Hey man, they won't let us. They won't let us live, man. No, but I wonder if there's a new level of consciousness for some people that came out of oh, this. Because absolutely. what I hated about it was, I'm probably as far liberal as you could get, but I hated having to explain that to people before I would say, "Yeah, but I don't totally buy all this other shit that they're telling us." That being said, I wore my mask. I wasn't not wearing my mask and freaking out in a restaurant or anything. I wore my fucking mask. I did what I had to do when it was really shut down. You know, at Mm -hmm. first I was in my apartment by myself. Like, oh, what do we do? You know, one thing that did get me to this day, I'm still, I never used hand sanitizer. I always washed and stayed clean. I never used hand sanitizer. Now I'm I'm always using hand sanitizer. That's one thing that came out of COVID for me. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah, it's in the car. <laughs> real. I'll be spraying my shit as soon as I get it. Yeah, but uh, but man, yeah, it was like it, that was that divide and that crazy. We've always had a divide. There's always been right, left, this, that, and all this. But like that shit just ex- yeah. it put it on blast so hard. How divided we are. And it's like just because you're from this place, because I know lots of rednecks in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. They exist. Upstate, you go outside of New York City. Oh, bro. Shit. You know, you come. Wooster, Ohio. Where? Wooster. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Wooster, Ohio? I mean, there's so many Ithaca, small towns up there. Ithaca, New York. All that it, shit. Yeah. All that type of shit. We've been on tour. Port. We've yeah. been on tour. Pulled over by cops who tell us, you got $100, $200 on you? You can go. If not, y'all going to jail tonight. Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. You want some rednecks? Go to Illinois. Indiana. Real shit, <laughs> bro. Shit. We up, we up there. Me and my brother at the precinct. I was drummer on the phone and a manager on the phone trying to get a wire. We like, no, yo, we not going to jail tonight. You get out of the the cities, it, it's totally different. It is. It's not that much major cities. No, it's that, more that, little city, little towns. towns. Way more. That's on way that shit. more. Touring. Way more. And touring teaches you that. Yes. Teaches you that shit. Most way people more. don't tour like that. Never known that. You're driving in that car through uh, New Mexico and Arizona to L.A. Oh, that L.A. trip. Shit. Boy. That L.A. It's trip. <laughs> uh, hey, that Portland trip. Let's yeah. not even talk about that shit. But you got to. 
No, one of the most progressive thing. cities you could imagine surrounded by psychos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. So I think this is a perfect time for this album. I think it's a perfect time for y'all to come back out. I think the people need it. They want it. And this is, you know, from what I heard tonight, I'm excited for everybody to hear it. What is, uh, you don't have to give the whole business plan or whatever, but what, what are we looking for? What are we looking at? When can the people hear what we're talking about? Um, well, we're going to start teasing. We're going to start teasing some music from the album over the next couple of weeks. Um, and then we're going to start working um, a single. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say any names right now, but we're going to start working a single. And then um, we're going to wait to drop the album after the, um, the Grammy cutoff, which is September 30th. Because we want to be able to have some time to work it. So October, you know, okay. on October for a, um, for an album drop. But you will see music, you will see visuals, you will see shows from us before October. But October is when we're looking to like let an album on the world. Man, dope. Yeah. And you're still in Atlanta, right, Easy? Yeah. And you're still in San Antonio? San Antonio, yes, yes sir. But somehow y'all have functioned that way for a while, right? I mean, I know... We talked about that. You, he was doing Third Root. You weren't. But you moved to Atlanta before the end of Mojo, didn't you? Um, Not the end, but you know what I mean. The, the hiatus. Um, well, uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I went to Atlanta, and then uh, we dropped the second album. Yeah. And in order to promote that second album, I came back to Texas for a year. Okay. So I left my family for a whole year. My uncle, rest in peace, he passed COVID. COVID took my Oof. uncle out. But my uncle, Albert, um, had, had relocated after Katrina to San Antonio, and I stayed with him for a year for us to do the shows and everything to promote Dirty Jeans, our second album. Man. Yeah, and when it and when it was, I guess it was clear to me and Trey, like, okay, this is not going to pay all the bills. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He got on his entrepreneur hustle. I went back to school, got on my education hustle, and we just started moving from there. Third Root came out of my education uh, consciousness coming alive and being awakened, but um, yeah, we that 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 was that was a real break that we had. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. music all the time. Studio though. I mean, before we Shit. even did music, we was talking about music. Yeah, a lot of people don't know our story, man. You know, me and Easy went to high school together. Okay, you know what I'm saying so. You know, even before we even thought about a band at 15 years old, we was. 15, 16, we was banging, you know. That, that's where we really was, yeah. you know, we was partners. AT Aliens and Brown Sugar. Brown Sugar, AT That was the mix. So, yeah, we was always in the music at the same time. Yeah, and, you know, uh, John Alister and Stephanie Gale brought the the D'Angelo Brown Sugar demos on cassette over to our house and wow. was like, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. Wow. Don't yes, say that on shit. On cassette. My, 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 Ah, bring it all full circle. My my my, my weed guy, uh, Eugene Lugo. Hi, shout out Eugene. Uh, my Mexican, yes, because because this matters right now, man. He was he was in 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 um, I met him in high school, and he and he was uh, my Mexican connect to the bud. But he, but EMI, he brought. He's like EMI got this tape because you know real back then the tape had the big EMI on. He said EMI, I got this tape. I jammed this. He didn't say D'Angelo. He said, EMI got this tape. Little did I know, it was D'Angelo Brown Sugar. Man. And I'm up here, I'm up here like, what the fuck is going on? Come back the next week, he talking about, what the fuck is going on? You know what I'm saying? And it just set up a whole shit, man. So shout out. Shout out D'Angelo. Yeah. On our album, we we did a like a commemoration of D'Angelo. Called 12-inch. But, um. Y'all definitely checked it out, man, for sure, man. Shout out to D'Angelo, man. Definitely inspiration. And uh, so, yeah, so that's what we did on this album, man. We brought a lot of inspiration out, too. Dope. You know what I'm talking about? I hear it. No, I hear it. And I, I, I want to hear it uh, personally again. I need to listen to it. Like, man, <laughs> for sure, for sure. hard to hear in that source. But I, I also appreciate y'all put together the old school listening session where we all came together to listen to it before the yeah. general public and before have the a, general public. Have a little time to sit in here that's because that's dope. um that was dope. Great time. That works out. That that's something I miss. Yeah. I've talked about this too. I miss being the only one with the advanced tape, and then that album <laughs> gets put on the shelf for a year, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been at that about a year. <laughs> Feels special. Well, it was special. On the shelf for no, years. no, this won't be on the shelf. For you know, 
You can drop it tonight if you want. That's how they. <laughs> you know, that's what they do. What but, was your favorite? Uh, what was your favorite? Right? What was your favorite that you remember from the, from the listening party? What was the one I said was the crossover song that had that they said was could be in a movie? Narcissistic. Narcissistic. That one hit home. Ooh, they like narcissistic. What else? That was a that was the one that that really hit home. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of concepts on it, I, and then we're gonna talk like a foreign language people they haven't heard, but the one the twelve inch. Mm. And I. That's my favorite. One I, of my favorite. <clears throat> I'm. Uh, I like women who like records. That's a big thing, but that's not. It's about more than that. Yes. But, you know what yes, I mean? Like record yes. collecting people in general, I can. I can. Vibe and that's with. a movement right now. That's why I tell yeah. my. I was telling my brother, I'm like, yo, because sometimes when I song concepts that I come up with is like. We both pull from different places, but I pull from like what I know there are pockets for. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and then and then when they catch it, like imagine if every record store in the world was like, "This is our soundtrack." Mm-hmm. Forget about it. No, it's dope, man. I'm definitely uh, thankful for the chance to hear it. And we are up here in the Colton House. They are shutting down pretty soon, I believe. I don't want to. Overstay our welcome here because someday I want to you know get Compton room or something. You know I mean, I want to make sure everything's <laughs> cool. Get Compton room second. tonight, man. Nah, That's what no, you talking no, about, no. bro? Nah, I love this. Uh, it's it's a dope Adrian spot. Casada. Shout out to Adrian Casada, Black Pony, baby. Yeah, man. So, I, and, that, and that and that comes. From, I know. I know. We, I know. We no, wrapping it's all up. Good. It's okay. But they haven't the crazy out. Mojo story is Make Step, who I do third root with. Yep. I know him because he was booking Mojo. Mm-hmm. He recognized us as like a group that he needed to align himself with, so he started booking. Mexican our step movie. grandfather. Next step. Next, all them salute shows was next up. <laughs> yeah, he knew him as Mexican step grandfather. Yeah, but no, wasn't but, that his full? No, but see, see, yeah. but this, but this is the thing though. Yeah, a little bit of transparency. Calls came to me for booking Mojo, so okay. Next step is calling me, trying to book us. And Trey and the band, which we get together, rehearse, rehearse, and play it. That was mixed up as a promoter booking us, right? Nigga, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Yeah. So he booking us, and then as he's booking us, he's like, okay, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in with these guys now. I wonder what? if they'll come to my house. So me and Trey show up to, to mixed up invites us over to do one song on his album called uh, Occupy State Album. Yeah. A song called Stand for Something. Hell yeah. Trey plays keys. I rap. And then we play that song at a South by Southwest show, mm-hmm. which Kendrick Lamar and Childish Gambino was opening with a headliner at, at Red, Red Seven. Seven. Red Seven, <laughs> yes. And Mixtep comes and does that song. And from there, Mixtep says, um, you know, he hangs with me for the weekend because Trey goes back to San Antonio. That's mm-hmm. what he loved to do. He'd do a show and go back to San Antonio. I stay in Austin. We start walking around the city. He said, we should do some more songs. That's how Third Roof starts. Wow. And while we're doing Third Root, we're growing. Adrian Casada, we go to his studio to record one song. He says, he hits us back a week later. Hey, that song y'all did, I took the beat out and did my own beat to it. Tell me what you think. A song called Soul Force. We're like, what the fuck? You just blew out mine. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we want to do, do more music with you. That becomes Libertad. So now we family with AQ. When Trey says, I'm ready to record again, I say, I got a studio I need you to see. Q's lab. Uh, see how this, all this? Yeah. You can't yeah. plan this shit. No, you can't. You can't plan it. And that, I'm so That is the greatest success story in music. <laughs> the Black, the black <laughs> Pumas and, and Adrian. That's Adrian's the works. greatest. Yeah. The and greatest, bro. Another funny, aside from that, that Childish Gambino set, which was preceded you guys with Kid Jones, Bob mm, I remember that show exactly, but yes. I put a group called Wheelchair Sports Camp from Denver on the inside stage. They went on just as everyone, and this is a little girl, I mean, a, a small woman in a in a wheelchair who produces beats. She has a whole youth organization in Denver called Youth on Record. Right. Listen, she teaches kids how to make beats, and she's like the most amazing person I've ever met. But as everyone was leaving the outside of Red 7, through the inside, they were on the inside stage. And so people from Shady Records and all these, and all these industry people were like, who is this small girl in a wheelchair doing hip-hop? with like a saxophone player and a drummer. She ended up on the cover of the Village Voice when, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name at Shady, specifically that brought her up, but one of the A&Rs. Mm-hmm. 
Like she went and did all the New York meetings and did that. The Village Voice put her on the cover. All yeah. kinds of stuff happened for her. It was just crazy. Just on that night in the same venue. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That and that was, was Childish Gambino's first show ever. Are you serious? What? Yep. That was his first show ever. Yeah. Bro. Okay. In the... Okay. <laughs> <Nice>. Yeah. <laughs> if people want to get in touch with Mojo, yeah, what's the yeah. best way? What's the socials? Where can I we find y'all online? IG is Mojo Family. Facebook, Mojo Family. Mojo, Facebook. Everything is M-O-J-O-E. Mojo Family. And MojoFamily.com. Don't forget the E. M-O-J-O-E. Family. Man. Well, when it gets closer to album time, I told this to Money Waters, too. I'm waiting on his ass, but we're going to do Our another. Brother Money, what up, Money? We're going to revisit money. this What's whole up, thing boy? and talk more when when it's about to drop. Man, we're going to do more. I'll come to San Antonio. Oh. We come there all the time. Get us money and Bavu on one episode, man. I promise you. I want to yeah, see that yeah. show. That's the release party. Right there. That's the big release party. Thank everybody for uh, listening. Like I say every time, tell a friend to tell a friend about Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I'm Talk So Realist on Twitter and Instagram. I am not on Facebook. I might jump in the TikTok world. I don't know, man. It might be time. We'll see. Not yet. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. But for now, I'm just going to sit here and talk to people and talk to my friends and do what we do. Appreciate you again. Like, subscribe. Thank you.